You're listening to Season 1 of Teaching Yoga, a podcast by me, Cora Giroux. I believe yoga teachers are on the front line of health and healing in the Western world, so I created this podcast to support the people that support the people. Each week we cover topics that matter to you, like inclusivity, accessibility, and diversity, how to make a sustainable living doing this work, and how we as teachers can be a positive voice in the changing landscape of yoga. This show is a space for real, raw conversation, a place to remind you that you're not alone, and a resource for your life and work on the spiritual path. If you want to stay connected between shows, find me on Instagram. It's just my name, C-O-R-A-G-E-R-O-U-X. I haven't yet, yeah. We had to bet. I'm only here, yeah. You know. If you don't like this music, then don't be listening to it. You know, I'm just a dude that you know, or something similar. If you don't keep it real, can you? Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Yoga Podcast. On today's show, I speak with Eve White. Eve is a proud Wiradjuri woman, yoga instructor, professional dancer, indigenous cultural educator, mermaid fit creator, storyteller, and mother of three. Her heart lives in the creative expression within the physical form, with healing and energizing to bring the body into an ultimate state of health. In Eve's 20-year career as a creative mover, she has choreographed, directed, and produced her own personal and collective performances. These have included dancing her way through the world with unique cultural shows, appearing alongside Robbie Williams in London, and competing in the finals of the ABC's Strictly Dancing Performing All Dance Styles with a Partner. After studying the ancient forms of yoga and Qigong, Eve was reconnected to her ancestral Aboriginal roots. And Eve has been supporting Aboriginal women to find their healing journey through health and yoga and well-being. Combining all of these beautiful practices, Eve created Connection to Country, which interweaves unique sensory journeys to connect participants with the self and people of all walks of life, like the beautiful ancient cultures that bring about healing and mindfulness. Eve's yoga classes are energetically and timely themed with universal energy connecting to earth and acknowledging the traditional custodians of this beautiful land. And Eve is from here in Australia um, and lives not too far away from where I actually live. On today's show, Eve and I speak about how to acknowledge country. And we talk about this in the specific context for yoga teachers. We talk about how to do it, who can share one, what elements are useful, and even integrating an acknowledgement of the cultural lineage of yoga into your acknowledgement of country. Um, And if you are listening from outside of Australia, um, this concept of acknowledgement of country might be new to you, but I urge you to listen in because I think this is something that can apply in many different parts of the world especially in North America, where we share a similar context um, of colonization that we do here in Australia. Um, So 
Eve even mentioned to me, she's like, hey, why don't you do the acknowledgement of country in the beginning? Um, noting that the responsibility of that usually falls on the indigenous or the aboriginal person in the group or in the room. And I was like, Eve, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> I mean, it's something that I want to be comfortable with, and which is one of the reasons why I actually asked Eve to come on the show so that we could talk about it. I could um, help to educate myself, but also those who are listening on how to do an acknowledgement of country in a really respectful way. So even I speak about more than that, we talk about the similarities um, between yoga and Aboriginal culture. We also speak about the reciprocity action plan that Eve is a part of creating with Yoga Australia. And the role that yoga teachers really play in reciprocity. We speak about bringing cultural awareness education into yoga teacher trainings. And Eve has actually created um, a module that will be delivered in yoga teacher trainings in Australia. And um, she's creating a standalone um, cultural awareness training in that as well, specifically for yoga teachers, which is really cool. And um, near the end, we talk about uh, some Aboriginal space clearing rituals that I've seen Eve um, demonstrate in different contexts. And I just wanted to talk to her about that in a way that how yoga, Western yoga teachers, um, non-Aboriginal yoga teachers use those different rituals and when that's appropriate, things like smoke clearing. Um, and she shares some other ones that are specific um, to the Aboriginal people here in Australia. So it was a really um, interesting and eye-opening conversation. And just a couple of things I want to tell you um, before we actually dive into the show. So Eve and I did this interview via Zoom, and I don't typically use Zoom as a podcasting platform. I, I don't rate it at all. I think that's too glitchy and sound quality is weird and things cut out. And um, that was actually what happened during my conversation with Eve. Um, so I just want to prepare you and would love to ask for your understanding that the sound quality isn't quite what we're used to on the show. But still give it a listen, um, just because the information is so important. And the last thing that I want to tell you about is we are getting fairly close to the end of season one of the Teaching Yoga podcast. Now, season one doesn't officially end. Uh, the last episode will come out November 17th. Um, but I do want to give you guys a heads up about that. Because during our off season, so we won't be putting out any new interview shows um, for December and January. It's summertime here in Australia, um, but we will be releasing a shit ton of bonus content during that time. And I want to let you know about this because that bonus content, we're not going to do a big like rigmarole on social media or send out newsletters um, or anything of that. And we'll actually be using them as bonus episodes in the podcast. So it's slightly different than a normal episode in the way that you upload it. And I just wanted to let you know that if you want to get that bonus content, make sure you subscribe to the show so that it actually shows up in your feed and you don't miss out on it because there's some cool stuff that we're going to be releasing um, in our off season. Um, I think that's it. Um, yeah, let's get into the conversation um, with Eve. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Eve, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
Um, Eve, would it be possible if you started or shared an acknowledgement of country with me and with our listeners, and then we can unpack that a little bit as we go? I'd love to. So I'm calling today from Bondi Beach. Um, mm-hmm. Bundi Bundi means the sound of the sea. And I recognize the continuous and deep connection to country of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as the first peoples of this nation. Um, and so here where I am today, it's the Bidigal and the Gadigal people. Um, I respectfully acknowledge um, the deep connection to the land, the sea and the sky. And I would like to pay tribute to the elders past and present as I also respect the collective ancestry that has brought us all here today. Um, and maybe for you at home, wherever you are, you could perhaps feel into the land that you're on, the people that paved the way for you. Roads are literally um, made from these walking tracks, which a lot of them are song lines. Um, and it's a privilege to be present on country. And I hope that our work supports this land, sea and spirit. And this always was and always will be traditional Aboriginal land. Thank you so much um, for sharing that, Eve. Um, And before we hit record, you were sharing with me that um, an acknowledgement of country seems to always fall on Indigenous or Aboriginal people in the group or in the conversation, like what we're doing today. And you mentioned that an acknowledgement of country is something that anyone could do. And you were kind of like, do you want to do it? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, and I, I haven't had enough practice or I, I haven't given myself the opportunity enough time to practice what feels good and comfortable um, in an acknowledgement of country. And I was just wondering if you would share your thoughts around why we acknowledge country for myself and then for the, the folks listening and and how to do that in a respectful way. Mm. So it's a, it is a very um, old traditional thing to acknowledge country and it comes from, you know, the respect um, that Aboriginal people have for the land and, and the people that have become the custodians of that land. And so, you know, Back in the day, it would be looking at um, when you would sort of travel to an, another person's land, you would wait before you were welcomed on that land. And in, in that way, it could take a long time um, for someone to come and welcome you. And it's about uh, showing that respect for the land that has been cared for by someone else that has been sort of become part of their themselves that Mm -hmm. land Mm -hmm. and um you know a welcome to country can only really be given by an elder whose heritage is from that land or they've been given sort of permission um of having lived on that land all their life even though they may be from elsewhere with an acknowledgement to country you know, it's beautiful that we're now doing these at the beginning of events and, you know, I'm encouraging yogis, um, yogi teachers to do this at the beginning of their practice. And I think it's a beautiful way to just bring in that deeper meaning and that thought um, 
of those that have paved the way for you. Uh, and it depends on, you know, where you are. A lot of schools, they'll have an acknowledgement country that stays the same and they will sort of learn that particular one. But I think to be able to speak to it from your heart space to, you know, you have to acknowledge or you should really acknowledge the, the clan. Um, so for instance, in Bondi, we have the Bidigal, um, which runs along the coast. And then we also have Gadigal and there's 29 um, clans in the Sydney area. Uh, and so you want to sort of speak to the, the land, the people. Um, and so for me also, when I usually do introduce myself, I will as well say that I am a proud Wiradjuri woman. So Wiradjuri is country New South Wales. My mum comes from Parks and my dad, I always thought he came from Dubbo, but it's looking like his Aboriginality may come from Melbourne, further down. Uh, and so, you know, you can even like lean into your own heritage. I'm also Irish and Spanish and Danish and Scottish and Mexican. I thought that I was part Maori, but my grandfather, my dad's dad, told everyone he was Maori um, and he just was able to fit in better that way so yeah it's about like for me I think you know really especially if we're speaking to other sort of yogis here it's about finding the right language for you um, and knowing what you're doing you're you're acknowledging the custodians those that cared for the land that you're taking your spiritual yogic practice on so it's a really beautiful way to bring that in to when we, you know, there's studios that I teach at now that Dharma Shala, that they no longer chant because of the whole pandemic. And so they, uh, the teachers acknowledge country instead. And so, yeah, it's about being able to say what you're going to say with meaning behind it. And, you know, if you're at like a, a meeting and then all the speakers, like the first speaker will get up and acknowledge country and the second and then the third and then the fourth. And it's like, no, it only really needs to be done once. And then I was sort of sharing with you before my, um, you know, I have three kids and they, in this, this area that we're in, there's, you know, only a, only a handful of Aboriginal kids and they are always the one that are, that are asked to come and acknowledge country. And some of them are not going to be that, personality type and it's one of those things that it's you know it's a privilege but also it becomes something that's expected it's that expectation which really anyone can do an acknowledgement to country um and it the kids that are aboriginal usually are quite connected to that more could be more beneficial for the other kids to take that on yeah cool um Thank you so much for sharing that. One other thing that just popped into my head now, um, which I'd love to just run past you, and it might be t like totally offside, but would it be appropriate for yoga teachers to also acknowledge like the cultural lineage 
that the practice comes from in the same acknowledgement. Like if we were opening up a yoga class and acknowledging the country and the people and the land that we are teaching on, um, does it make sense to, to acknowledge like the, the culture of yoga at the same time? Or is that something that would be better to do separately? Yeah, so I think that's a beautiful notion um, to speak to that. And I do often hear teachers talk to the lineage and their teachers and their teachers and, and that long lineage of yoga usually at the end of the class. So, you know, I think it's coming back to what feels right and true mm-hmm. for you. So, you know, I think it's a, it could be a really um, perfect time to acknowledge the, the yogic lineage. And that's like part of, you know, what I'm, I'm quite passionate about is to, um, you know, I guess to, to take that and to unpack that. So it's bringing this spiritual practice from all the way in India to Australia. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, actually, it just made me remember I was teaching um, an elder at Nellie's Aboriginal Healing Centre and she came to a few classes and she was like, I really want to teach this, um, you know, and she was like, she was buzzing about it. And mm-hmm. she said, but if we do this, we're going to go to India, to the Indian um, elders there and ask for permission to bring this back to Australia to teach it here. That's our way. That's how we do it. That's the protocol. That's our dreaming. Um, And so, you know, and I think like for sure we haven't done that and that's okay. You know, we're in the modern day world now, but to, you know, to be able to find these deeper layers of respect and, um, you know, doing, doing things in the right way on different lands that we're on. Yeah, that's, that was, that's beautiful. Um, her intention of how Mm. you actually appreciate a culture rather than, you know, I guess appropriate it or take from it. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that I've heard you speak about that I was just really interested in is the similarities you find between indigenous culture here in Australia and the teachings of yoga from India. Would you um, mind just sharing for my own uh, understanding and for that of people listening, what those similarities are? Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, many of the first nations people's traditional ways of thinking being and doing weave their way throughout all of the yamas and yamas. Um, and of course, when you try and separate and categorize, it's not, not, you know, easy to do, but I have definitely found, you know, similarities. So, you know, even if you look at the word, say if you look at the word compassion, it's not something that you go to school and learn as an Aboriginal person. It's something that is innately interweaved into your way of being. Um, and so with this cultural course, we, we've started to look at, you know, the yamas, the ahimsa, the non-violence. And when you look at, um, you know, giving the names to nature, like you've got grandmother, grandfather trees, father, son, animal brothers and sisters, or the, the totems, the dreaming animals. Um, and this is, 
to ensure that respect is given to all things, uh, including any animal which is used for food. So it's not just about going hunting without really thinking much about the animal. If it's got dreaming animal, you might not even be able to hunt it, let alone eat it. And then within that, um, the practices that would take place would be uh, dancing like the animal the night before the men would go hunting and they would dance and dance and dance and would perhaps fall down and fall asleep right there and then and then paint themselves up looking like the animal. And the reason they dance is like this animal is to connect um, with the spirit of that animal to make it okay to go hunting for that animal. And you would make sure that the animal was, you know, once you've used your spear or, or your bundi or boomerang or whatever you have, um, you'd make sure that the animal was dead. Um, and But then you would use all parts of that animal. So it would become your cloak or your baby's blanket for the fur. And then you would make sure that the animal was then um, burnt on the fire so that its spirit go back up into spirit world to become something else. Um, you know, the different bones would be used for different things. The older people would get the organs. Um, there was a symbiotic relationship to, to all living things. It's like when you would um, be foraging for food, you wouldn't take the whole of that root. You'd make sure that there was some left. It's like with the fishnets, um, there was enough space for fish to um, escape from that net and go downstream so that the other clans could also get their fish. Um, so it's that innate way of being that I find does end up linking to um, a lot of the yamas. And when you look at being punished for something that you've done wrong, it's an instant, it's instantaneous. The whole of the clan is there to witness, um, you know, and sometimes that could mean death if that, that was what the punishment required for what the person has done. But everyone's a part of that. It's not, you know, done behind closed doors. It's done, you know, um, with everyone sort of taking part. Um, and so, you know, being in those yamas, um, you know, non-stealing, um, when we look at that, we can just look at the fact that when we come to another person's land, we'd wait there and be asked to be welcomed in. And so now we're all living on stolen land, really. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we want to encourage with this cultural awareness program is for people to think of how they could perhaps give back. And there's, I don't know if you've ever heard of the um, pay the rent sort of idea and how, how that can look, um, whether it's, um, a bursary training that the studio could give to give back or, you know, how, how whether you could, yeah, open your doors um, to mob in your area or, or how, however that would be um, of that non-stealing. Non but, yeah, there's definitely a lot of things like if you look at wordings um there's no such thing in aboriginal language as time or even possession 
So with the non-hoarding Aprigara, mm. um, there was no need for greed as all things were shared within community and everyone had their place. Um, the community would work together for the good of all. And much of the hunting um, is done as a collective. Like So when you um, get your first piece of food from your mother, she will um, take a bite out of it before she gives it to you. So she's teaching you to share your very first bit of food that you eat. And then it kind of goes on. Like if you look at um, when someone passes over to the next side, to the most momentous occasion of their life is taking that last breath. And, you know, with that, um, if you ever knew Aboriginal people that are quite connected to their community, um, to where they're from and, there's a death in their family, they'll be gone for maybe a month, however long it takes for that process. And part of that process is to let go of all pain and grief and sorrow. So you overexpress that sadness so that it's out of you so that you can go back to your clan without that sadness and grief. And you cut your hair off because your hair holds the memories of that person um, as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's, I mean, I feel like we could have a whole hour long conversation about that as you start to unpack it. The cultural awareness program that you're, that you've created and your, I think you're sharing it in yoga teacher trainings. Is that correct? Yeah. So this weekend I have one that I'm doing within this advanced teacher training sustainability with Bhakti Rose and Idit mm-hmm. um, from Sukumuka. Mm-hmm. So they were, they usually have um, chanting uh, within that, but they can't chant. So they're quite excited to have the cultural awareness. So I'm sharing it with yogis this weekend, just a three hour, but when I'm working with, um, Noeli Aboriginal Corporation I'm a director of, which is what we created in alignment with uh, Yoga Australia to bring a reciprocity action plan, which is a wrap for all the yogis of Australia. And so we created Noeli so that we could get some funding um, so we can do the work. Yeah, and so there's five of us on the board and I'm working quite closely with Gemstone. She's a Bunjalung woman, uh, which is sort of Byron area, but she's mm. in Melbourne. And her and I have been um, creating it together, along with um, Kate Peterson. She does Yoga Hive. Um, she does lots of things, actually. And then there's a couple of um, Aboriginal elders, Junk and Jumpa and Graham from um, down in Ewan. Yuan country uh and so that that's part of what we're doing is the cultural awareness and this is a three-hour program that we're wanting to turn into 25 30 hour Mm. program we were writing it we were like wow there's just so much that we can you know start to unpack and it's actually been really interesting and quite exciting to uh put everything that's because at you know, I've taught Aboriginal culture for, you know, quite a few years in schools and a lot of that teaching is, and traditional ways of learning is to 
just be yarning, just to be conversing and, you know, drawing or, um, and that's kind of how you learn, but to put this all down, you know, in a PowerPoint presentation, um, to get it all out of, out of our heads and, uh, and then to do further research has been really rewarding. I've been looking at, um, Sand Talk by Tyson Junkumporter, which is a beautiful book, um, a book of cultural and philosophic intrigue. Read it, says Bruce Pascoe, whose book was also amazing that he wrote Dark Emu, uh, but it's very philosophical. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's been a, a really interesting read. He's got a, a long... Um, few pages of like a visualization shavasana releasing trauma at the back which is really quite intense uh and so i'm going to read that to the students at the end of the practice and we also look into dididi which is the deep listening deep contemplation miriam rose dali river woman gifted us that word as a principle where she was working at she noticed um the need for this deep listening and uh she's huge ambassador for it we were meant to be at her retreat this year actually Mm -hmm. uh for for a week so hopefully it will happen next year yeah i can easily see why uh, three hours is not (laughs) enough for that and it will expand into probably like even I don't know if you guys would offer it as a standalone yeah, yeah, continuing education course or something. Um, Cause I think a lot of people, you know, what we obviously, I don't know any yoga teacher trainings that actually include that in their 200 hour. Um, so teachers would be probably wanting to take that after they've already done their initial training. And I would like love to know, cause you work with, you are a yoga teacher and you work with yoga teachers. Like, what role you really see yoga teachers playing in moving towards reciprocity? Hmm. Yeah, well, that's one side of what we're doing. The other side of what we're doing with Noeli, which means spirit bird, is uh, to take yoga onto country. So we had our first event, you know, the first weekend of lockdown and Hmm. (laughs) we couldn't do it but that was meant to be in Jarvis Bay. And Mm -hmm. so had uh, elders coming to share their ceremony. And then we had Waiapa work. Uh, I think you've heard of Waiapa work. Mm -hmm. We had a facilitator coming to lead one of those sessions uh, with the people there. And then we had Listen Up podcasts were training us uh, a few of us in podcasting and they mm. were going to come and, you know, it was going to be amazing, <laughs> but that didn't happen. So we just did a little online session, but yeah, part of that will be to, you know, introduce culture into yoga studios, but to also introduce yoga on country with Aboriginal Torres Strait Islanders and to share you know, both of these, these ways. And yeah, so that's, and, and how I would encourage that. Uh, there's lots of things that we can 
we can do. There's lots of things that we can go to. And even if it just means to tune in to Koori Radio when you're driving in the car sometimes and they often um, give you, you know, things that are happening, events that you can go to. There's things that you could find on Facebook, walks that you could do. Botanical gardens have a beautiful uh, cultural walk that they do there. Um, Blue Mountains, there's a, there's a walk that you can do there. There's, there's lots of things that uh, we can do to gain more knowledge and experience. Sometimes it's just about looking a little deeper. One of the, you, you led a really, or you participated in a really interesting seminar or workshop with Yoga Australia. And one of the things that you were actually showing was how to clear space um, with like a sweeping ritual. Mm. And, um, and I think one of the other presenters was talking about smoke cleansing as well. Mm. And I know for myself and a lot of other yoga teachers, it, it is something that we do some sort of space clearing when we are teaching in a physical space and not online. I mean, maybe you do it at home as well um, to clear the energy in the room before mm. a yoga practice happens. And I thought the, the ritual that you led was incredibly beautiful. And I was like, wow, that's so um, inspiring but my mind instantly went to like, am I, should I be using that as a non-Indigenous person? Just like I'm considering, am I using, like how am I culturally appropriating yoga in my teaching? Um, and I was just wondering, like for non-Indigenous yoga teachers, is it something that you would recommend as a way to like appreciate Indigenous culture is to adopt these rituals? Or is that something that you know, you need to have a deeper connection to the practice before you start using that. Mm, good question. So with, with like a smoking ceremony, something that we need to be mindful of, uh, obviously you wouldn't do one just, you know, off, off your back. Cause it's, it's something you have to really know how to, how to do cause it's fire that you're working with, mm. but, but it's something that's, you know, traditionally done in different ways, depending on where you go. And so depend on, depending on where you go in Australia depends on whether you do smoking or not. Um, and so in this area, like in the Sydney area, it's said mm. to be more of, a thing for men to do and so with that as well it's something that you're you're often passed down to do from an elder like you've been given permission maybe your elder that was your elder um has passed on and and they've actually taught you how to do it and then you become that person that holds that space so with the smoking i wouldn't I definitely wouldn't recommend it um, to be done by, you know, just by anyone. I, I, I no longer do it in this area. I have done, but I kind of felt into that and I'm like, no, this, this doesn't feel right. And with all the fires as well, I kind of stopped. Mm. But it is from where I'm from and I do feel quite connected when I do it and I feel 
the benefits of it. There's so many healing benefits and it's a really beautiful way to sort of cleanse the area to get rid of negative um, energies. Just like when we get the Palo Santo or we get the sage or the incense. Um, and so, but, but a way that we were talking about uh, on that session that we did for Yoga Australia was whenever you sort of create something yourself. So for instance, you know, we've got these smudge sticks where you collect um, different things, different dried flowers and sticks and you, you could actually make one yourself by um, collecting, you know, finding some nice leaves. I always get the, the tea tree leaves mm. that I find in this area. I love that smell. Um, and you could actually just create a smudge stick yourself from locally sourced um, plants. That could be one way of doing it. Um, you know, I quite, uh, I quite like um, Palo Santo myself. I like that smell, but there's something that's similar that's native, which is, I don't know the scientific name, but that it's called a black boy, that plant. And that actually, you can get some of that and you can burn that as well. I think that's what we were talking about. With the sweeping, I feel like the sweeping is, there's less protocol around that. And for me, I've been doing it at most of my classes, no matter what class it is, since we were no longer allowed to touch people in practice. So for me, I've been using the leaves and sweeping and it's just a really beautiful way to, to cleanse and connect and nurture and, you know, heal if that's, if that's what resonates with you. Um, and it's also a beautiful sonic vibration that you get as well with the sound mm. of leaves, especially when people are in Shavasana at the end or, or beginning of class. It's a really good way to just like clear the energy and really drop into the space. And I, you know, I don't think that you should feel like you can't do that because it's, you're not Aboriginal for sure. Like, you would probably do it because you've seen it being done and you felt the effects and you start feeling connected to that yourself. Uh, but it was, it's what the women dance with. They dance with leaves and the idea is, you know, they use the leaves to sweep and to clean the area. So it is, it is for me, it feels quite feminine, uh, the sweeping. Um, there's also water ceremonies that, uh, we do as well when we come to the water and you kind of wash your armpits and get the water on your face and uh, because the spirits also live in the water. So it's making that connection with the water and announcing yourself in a sense. Uh, at, at the cultural awareness that we're actually going to go and gather some leaves and I'm going to show them how I, I wrap a twig around it and create a little, you know, broom. Mm. Kind of, yeah. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Thank you. Um, and it's something that um, I think for, for people listening who are in Australia, I know we have people who listen in from all over the world, but it's nice to know that you can do something that is actually connected to the land that you're on mm. rather than like, I mean, I love the smell of Palo Santo as well. Um, and have used it a lot in the past, but it's nice to know that there's something right here that mm. you mm. could actually connect with. Um, 
cool. Yeah. yeah I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, so I just wanted to sort of finish up cause I know that we, um, I just want to be like very mindful of your time and there's just a couple of things that I would love for us to finish with. And the first one is we've kind of done this in the reverse order, but normally I start with asking anyone who comes on the show just to tell me a little bit about themselves and you know, your history and your practice and your teaching. And since we didn't do that right at the beginning, I was just wondering, would you fill us in, the listeners, on, you know, your, a little bit about your story? Mm, sure. So I was born in Wurunga, so Gurugai, mm-hmm. uh, and I have four of us kids in the family so six of us an older sister a brother and a younger sister um and I moved out of home when I was quite young I moved to Bondi when I was about 15 and stayed at school did my HSC at Bourclouse um, but very much got adopted by the Bondi locals and uh, went to Vipassana meditation course when I was 17, where I first really, I guess, you know, if, if anything can connect you to <laughs> stillness and to mindfulness um, and torture, <laughs> Vipassana, Vipassana will, especially at, at quite a young age. So I was living with hippies uh, um, who encouraged me to go and, they're a lot older than me, but I guess I learned a lot um, right back then at, at that age. And so I'm really grateful for that time because it opened my eyes up to a lot of things that perhaps my eyes wouldn't be open to. And I was living with actually with an Aboriginal guy who would play didgeridoo and um, I found connection really, I think then, um, because I didn't grow up with my Aboriginality. It wasn't really something that was um, exposed to us that we usually connected with because my parents weren't connected. My mum's dad got kicked out of home when he was really young and disconnected from his uh, Aboriginal mother. So that was sort of how I first discovered um, just this other way of thinking and then I danced my way around the world for, oh, I don't know, a good eight, eight to nine years until I met my husband. So I danced um, all different cultural dances, uh, samba, um, Hawaiian, and uh, belly dancing, Caribbean, uh, salsa, like all of these different styles all over the world pretending to be Brazilian or Hawaiian or um, fake tanning my skin so I'd be browner. Um, And then I met my husband in London and uh, I was on a, came back to Sydney and was dancing in a TV show. Um, And so I did like all kinds of ballroom dancing. And then I met up with my husband again in LA and, and fell pregnant to my first son Mm. and then came back and it was you know a huge transition from being a dancer Mm. 
um, cruising all over the world to then having to let my stomach be relaxed and let it go, <laughs> let it be, let it go out. Uh, and then I studied personal training. Um, and when I did that, when they were like, you know, you only have to do like five minutes of stretching. I was like, really? That's just not enough. I need more than that. And so then when I was in London, the next time with my husband, my friend, uh, had created, um, key yoga, which is from there, not the one that's from. Mm -hmm. And so she connected Qigong and Hatha yoga together. And so she invited me just to come whenever I wanted to. And there was teacher trainers there. And I just kind of became really interested and brought all of the coursework back with me to Australia. And then spent really focus myself on doing it by correspondence by myself. And a, a really good friend of mine, Brenda came over and she was like, wow, I love that. I'd love to do that. And so she started studying with me. Um, and so together we did a lot of work sort of over Skype, but then we went to Thailand the following year with my teacher and did like a two week intensive with all of our exams. So I did my teaching trainings over a couple of years and mm -hmm. I was also pregnant for the more advanced side of it. Uh, and so I, you know, postnatal, prenatal and yin within that. Uh, and so I really resonated with the Qigong side of it. Mm. And I that, that allowed me to um, embrace the connection, the natural connection I already had with earth mm. innately. Uh, and yeah, just from there, I sort of um, came into contact with some Aboriginal elders and some friends that I made and retreats that I went on and just found that sort of connection, re reconnected myself back in a, in, a, in a spiritual way, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Um, and now I... Um, I work in a few Aboriginal centers where I teach yoga or I support um, Aboriginal mums. And then what else do I do? I work in a, the settlement where, the, where I teach Aboriginal kids yoga. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, teach in a few different yoga studios and I do sometimes still belly dance mm -hmm. on the weekend. Um, because my past life is still calling me. <laughs> and I much, I happily oblige because really when I'm dancing and um, sharing that magical energy with people, I feel really happy in those moments. Uh, it's a good release. And my husband thinks it helps keep me young. <laughs> he encourages me to do it as well. <laughs> Well, it keeps you probably in touch with that more like fun and exuberant side of yourself where, um, yeah, you, know, you might not get that in yoga. Mm, endorphins. Yeah. I mean, you can get that in yoga. I feel like I get that in a really hot, sweaty, mm -hmm. with lots of people, you know, we can't do that anymore now. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, that, that exactly that energy. And then the other thing that I do, um, is mermaiding. Mm. So I created a mermaid fit program. I did my swim teaching and it's very seasonal because I was always a swimmer as a child and I have, I think I'm quite traumatized by 
chlorine. And so I don't really like being in that sort of toxic water. So I, I like to mm-hmm. be in the ocean pool. So I, I do it, sometimes I do a couple of sessions in winter, but mostly uh, we do it in summer. Um, Eve, could you finish this sentence? If you really knew me, you would know. You would know that I cannot go to the beach without diving in the ocean. <laughs> it's almost That's a good one. I'm the exact opposite. I um, I often go to the beach and don't go in, and people think I'm. It's like <laughs> blas- it's blasphemy. <laughs> well, it is annoying when you have long hair and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to wash my hair, mm-hmm. or you know. But at the same time, the release and mm-hmm. the cleansing and the it just completely, you know, it can just take one dive underwater and the whole of your you know, mindset can change for the better. Um, Eve, could you tell people listening where they can find you, like your website or any social media channels that you um, you can connect with people on? Mm-hmm. So uh, my website is evewhite.com.au, evewhite.com.au, and my Instagram is eve.e.white. Uh, and Facebook, you can find me on Facebook, Eve White. <laughs> yeah, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eve. I know you've got to run and um, to your next appointment, but I just want to say thank you so much for sharing um, and just taking the time to chat with me today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Teaching Yoga. To get full transcripts and links for all of the resources we discuss in this show, get yourself on the newsletter at corajerou.com slash newsletter. That's C-O-R-A-G-E-R-O-U-X dot com slash newsletter. You don't keep it real and you go somewhere but here cause you know we're only losing control just for a minute. Oh. If you don't like this music, then don't. Be listening to it, you know I'm just a dude that you know Or something similar If you don't keep it real, can you go Somewhere but here Cause you know we're only losing control Just for a minute Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.